Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the ACFE's Fraud Talk podcast. Today, I am joined by Arpinder Singh. He is based out of India's uh, EY's Forensic and Integrity Services, and he is a partner and head of India and Emerging Markets there. Arpinder, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mandy, for having me here today. I'm excited to have Arpinder here, and we're uh, going to talk a little bit about cybercrime and what we're seeing happen right now with cybercrime during COVID-19. So first, Arpinder, tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do at EY and some of your main responsibilities there. Thank you so much, Mandy, for this. Uh, I head the forensic team in India for EY. And I also head the forensic team in the emerging markets for EY. I also sit on the global board of forensic, uh, which is a steering committee. Besides this, as a professional, I'm a chartered accountant and lawyer by education. Um, I've done, I've been a finance controller in the US. I worked for many years in the Bay Area, actually, as a finance controller, till I moved back to India and uh, started forensic accounting uh, many, many years back. Um, when, you know, in India, there was nothing called fraud. And that's what happened when you went to corporates or clients and you said, hey, do you have a fraud investigation? And they say, hey, what is fraud? So I started actually long, long back uh, when forensic was still a very new concept in India. And I was very lucky to have started at that time. And it's been a great journey as I've done internal audit, statutory audit, and then spent the last 16 years uh, just doing specialized forensic work in India. So you've been around before there was fraud. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what they say in India. Uh, but, <laughs> and, but it's been a great journey. You know, I set up the ACFE chapter in Mumbai. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the founder of it. Uh, you know, ISO 37001 came in on writing corruption. So there's been a lot of changes, I think, every year in India, which I would love to discuss with you as we, as we continue in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's dig into... COVID-19 and the coronavirus and what how we've seen fraud change. There is no illusion that fraud has increased. Um, we've done our own surveys here, and I'm sure you've seen it uh, happen as well in what you're dealing with. But the, you know, fraudsters and people who are out to, um, to game the system, you know, use these times these vulnerable times to really, really go for it. One of the areas that's definitely been affected is cybercrime. And we know the risk has increased and the exposure has increased. Why do you think it is increasing now? And what are the ways that you're seeing it, seeing it play out? I think the first and biggest thing is everybody was unprepared. Let's be honest. I think everybody has business continuity plans. Mandy, but reality is those business continuity plans have never been tested to the extent the pandemic has tested it. None of us in my life have never sat at home for six months, which we've been doing uh, and working from home uh, for six months. So I think when it hit everybody, I don't think any company or corporate was prepared for it. What I saw in India was a little crazy. Uh, You had companies which were sending computers and desktops back to uh, homes in, in the back of a car. Uh, you know, there were trucks being hired, which were uprooting computers and infrastructure and sending it to different employees' homes. No one was fully prepared 
for this type of a pandemic and how long it's lasted out. So I think first is the business continuity plans, I think, have been fully tested. Obviously, there are large corporations which may have been slightly better prepared and have better infrastructure resources to deal with it. I think the mid-cap companies and the smaller companies obviously would never have dreamt of something like this and with the infrastructure to support it. So that's the first. Second is, let's take work from home. You have employees who have had to deal with not having great Wi-Fi connections at home or not having great uh, you know, connectivity. Maybe they were dialing it from their phones. Um, companies had to open up their firewalls to allow people to work from home. You know, it, there's always a gap, right? It takes maybe a week to set up a firewall. Or let's say employees had bring your own devices where they were working from home. So suddenly the whole system and infrastructure and computer networks uh, that I saw during this pandemic have been fully tested. And I don't think companies, as I said, were fully prepared for it. So let's give an example. You have a large company having a lot of personal confidential information on their computer. Now, when you're working in office, there are rules which say you cannot you know, take a camera shot or take a copy of that personal information from the computer. But when now the employee has access to that personal information on their screen at home, the only thing which is stopping them from stealing that information or exposing it to a hacker is your personal integrity. Because there is no way a manager can come to your house and sit on top of you to make sure that you're not taking a snap using your cell phone. Uh, so that is a risk. Second is dialing in through Wi-Fi, mobile uh, connections onto your computer networks. I mean, hackers are very smart. They're far ahead of us, which is why they have their cyber cases in the world. They're going to get into your networks. That's the second thing in my mind. Third is the amount of internet uh, transactions everyone's doing. You can't no, you can no longer go to a Walmart, for instance, in the US or stores in India. Uh, you have to uh, you know buy online, and that means everyone's sharing their credit cards. And people aren't just sharing credit cards with reputed companies. You are trying to buy boutique stuff. You know, someone's trying to say, hey, we got this fantastic herbal medicine for COVID. You have this five times a day, and you're going to be all fine. You want to click on that because you're desperate. Uh, and I think uh, hackers are working on people's desperation. And I think you can easily send you an email, Mandy, and you know, if it's interesting enough, telling you a little bit about COVID or telling you about a new vaccine which is coming out in a different part of the world, you will click on it. So I think people, hackers have the perfect time. If you ask me, the pandemic has been a perfect environment for them where people are desperate, people are emotionally stressed, everyone's online, people are shopping maybe 80% more online than they ever did prior to the pandemic. People are logging into networks, working from home. Let's say now, uh, I'll give you an example. We had recently have a client with a bring your own device. Now the question is, if you have an issue with a bring your own device, you can no longer have an engineer who goes to a remote location in India and fixes it. So suddenly this employee has malware on his computer and he's still logging into your network. It's going to get exposed. Let's say you have old routers or an old uh, server, you know, from an infrastructure perspective. You can't go and change it. You, it's like doing your renovation in your house. You know, you're going to postpone it. You want to say, when the vaccine comes out next year, we'll get my renovation done then. Same way as with the computer network. Till it doesn't hit you, you're kind of deferring these decisions. And that's exposing you. So I can, I can take the whole session uh, talking about this. But Mandy, the pandemic has exposed us to risks we could not even imagine. So what can companies do? You know, I, 
I said I was going to ask you about a cyber incidents response plan and why it's so important. Is that the place to start? Is that the is that where you invest your time and your money? I would say that's very important because uh, you know you're going to have big companies, small companies, medium companies. You're also going to have companies which have not so much personal data. You're a real estate company, for instance. You're doing construction of uh, roads. Would there be so much personal information? Can a hacker really destroy them? Maybe not. Uh, you have an IT company which is servicing global clients. Could a hacker impact them significantly? Of course. You know, so one is you have size of companies where they can invest in it. Second is type of companies based on the exposure. So I think a cyber incident response plan is extremely important because if you've not assessed your risk, and you've not planned for it considering the sector you work in, the type of information you have, the infrastructure you have, you're going to be heavily exposed. So I think you're absolutely right. I would say companies who have in fact been impacted or not been impacted, lucky not to be impacted, should immediately start working on a cyber incident response plan. See their infrastructure, see where their vulnerabilities are, do a pen test as we call it, you know, where you can go outside in and test a network to see if there are any cyber exposures. And that is, I think, the most important thing to start with. Because if you don't start with a planned approach and you start randomly, uh, I think it won't really help you. So it is very important. Well, and I think what you said is a lot of companies are reacting right now. So they're they're in the reactive state of, okay, now what do I do? You know, we didn't see this pandemic coming. Now we got to put something together. What are some ways that you think they can be proactive, you know, moving forward? I think the first thing is they should first map out their infrastructure, see where they want to go. The first thing I tell clients at least is, you know, please check your network to make sure all your software is updated. A lot of people took shortcuts, you know, I know software is not cheap. Uh, neither do I own any software company, unfortunately, Mindy. But uh, but reality is that people don't upgrade their AMCs. They don't upgrade their maintenance. The software is outdated. They should first quickly check their hardware and software to make sure, is everything up to date? Is there any weak spot that a particular hacker could look at? Because that's the biggest vulnerability. You have pirated software or old outdated software, unmaintained software, or you have a router sitting somewhere in your network, which is an old version, uh, old uh, switch or an old server, that's going to be your biggest vulnerability. So I think first getting your handle very quickly around what your entry points are. You know, it's like a house. Where are the doors? Very quickly assess that. And I think the second is, as you're assessing that, keep working on the cyber response plan, you know, but don't wait because you don't have time, unfortunately. So assess your infrastructure in parallel, start working on the cyber response plan, see what, see what you can put in place, uh, because that's very, very important. Third is, as a part of the cyber response plan, Mandy, start looking at what data do you have, which is vulnerable. What, what are your critical uh, systems, your financial system maybe, your system which has employee information, whatever inf- system currently which is critical for running your organization. Do you have an ERP system which is running your factories, your office? Is that critical for you? You need to protect that. Maybe you create a, a backup for that. You know, maybe maybe have two disjointed servers or networks which have the same system, which could be a backup. That's just an example. But but basically, you start. You have to start assessing your infrastructure. You need to start working on the cyber response plan. You need to start working on backups, and all these have to be done in parallel because unfortunately, we don't have the luxury 
of a pre-COVID time saying we have a two-year plan and in two years we're going to get to this level. You need to do it very, very quickly and you need to risk assess on what is critical. You can't get everything in place immediately. As I said, protect your critical infrastructure, protect your critical systems, protect data which can leaked out can be very embarrassing to you, can potentially be a GDPR issue legally or it could be a violation of some US law or Indian law. So start protecting yourself around that. Also start working on your skills and resources. Do you have the right people? Do you have the right training? Do you have the right people in your organization? Most companies uh, generally, uh, you know, are using uh, maybe a mom and pop uh, scanner tool for uh, checking vulnerabilities. Get, get the best. I mean, this is not the time to compromise and be penny wise and pound foolish. And do you see the initiative being led by the top, you know, from the CEO or do you see it coming from the IT department? Where do you, or do you see people coming together to say this is important? Where do you um, like to see and see the most success at companies of where this message comes from and where this need to do it comes from? I, I, would, I would break it into two parts, at least the way I see it, Mandy. Uh, you have companies which are more technologically advanced, like the ITITS companies. I think their cyber is an agenda of the CEO. It comes right from the top. They realize the criticality of it. They have signed contracts with global clients where they have said data privacy is important, for instance. You know, if there's an incident, you have to report it within X amount of time. There are very strict regulations around it, strict liability to them if there's a violation. Obviously, you can lose an important customer. So I think they're a little bit more advanced where it comes from the top. And I think there, a lot of investment also goes into cyber infrastructure and they're faster and reacting. The second bunch are people who don't really have any pressure, external pressure at this point of time to do the right thing on cyber. So there I find it's generally a CIO who's dealing with the mandate. I think personally, I don't think that's the right, right answer because the CIO has restricted budgets. If he doesn't have the tone at the top from the CEO giving him the right budgets, making sure it's a focus area, he's vulnerable. So I would say the second bunch where, uh, you know, there is no external pressure to, from a contractual perspective to ensure the best cyber infrastructure, those people are the most vulnerable. The, the time when they get hit with a ransomware attack and their systems which are running their factories or the systems which are running their financial systems suddenly get blocked. There's a ransomware attack and a lot of them have happened in, in India and globally in the last six months. Then suddenly they wake up and it becomes a CEO agenda. Unfortunately, that's reactive, uh, where suddenly now your company can't operate, right? You don't have an IT system, your data is all locked, you have a hacker saying you've got to give me X number of bitcoins, which is technically not legal, and then uh, you have a, a, a demand and you start waking up. That's too late. So, in my view, this has to be a CEO agenda, no matter what type of company it is. Today, I think risks and move from uh, a normal fraud uh, kickback type of risks to a cyber risk. I think cyber should be the top risk during this pandemic, in the near future and in the beyond because technology is here to stay mandatory. Everything has changed in our lives. Everything is going to be now technology based. And cyber is going to be your biggest risk. That's really, really, really great advice. Um, I want to move on to what companies are seeing right now um what are some of the current schemes that that you've noticed and that you've seen i would say I, we've seen many many schemes uh the first traditional one is 
you know, a CFO getting an email, uh, for instance, from a CEO saying, hey, transfer $500,000 to an account in Singapore. My account has changed and this is a new account number. Please do it immediately. I'm not well. I'm sitting at home. But please make sure it's done by end of day. The CFO gets Yeah, it. the business email compromise. Yeah. The business email compromise. It's very standard. A lot of those are happening. I've done a lot of those investigations. Continues to happen as an issue. So I think it's something most companies should be trained and aware of. The second type of uh, schemes I'm seeing is normal, uh, you know, phishing emails, uh, Mandy, where you just... That I, I believe there was a survey done by an external company where India is the gets the largest number of these phishing and malware emails in the world. Obviously, we have the largest population, we have the largest number of COVID cases, unfortunately, uh, going forward. But but the fact is, we also get the largest number of emails, phishing emails. And I think that's very, very, uh, it's going to be increasing. It, in fact, uh, unfortunately, people... Don't are not empathetic even during the COVID times. Robbers, mm-hmm. hackers are the same, and they're sending emails around charity. So you know, for instance, if somebody wants to help a hospital or somebody wants to help poor COVID patients who don't have food, uh, they're sending emails saying, "Please, please click on this," and you know, this person is dying. He needs some money to the hospital for the care, and people are pretty empathetic during this time. So you're clicking on that email. And that's when your computer gets compromised, and or you're sending money potentially to an account which is a hacker's account. You know, and it disappears. The money goes through layers outside India, and you can't trace them uh, beyond a point of time. So I think in the recent pandemic, people are using unfortunate situations around the coronavirus to potentially either penetrate your system, penetrate your network, or even get you to spend money uh, and put mm-hmm. it in an account which at a later date cannot be traced. So. Uh, that's the second thing which I'm seeing. Third is actually very sophisticated hackers actually uh, freezing uh, parts of an infrastructure of a company or in fact, the complete infrastructure of a company and a lot of them are publicly mentioned uh, and where actually portions of a company, large global companies are frozen, they can't work, they're ransoms, you have to actually pay bitcoins. I always, you know, I've done a lot of those smaller cases and finally seeing these bigger cases where you have bitcoins being demanded is pretty interesting. I always thought it was a John Grisham book, but it's actually happening a lot as we talk. Another case I would say is the small uh, cases. And that's also very important because those are high. You know, a lot of people are now being, for instance, there's attrition. People are being laid off virtually. You know, you and I having a call and we say, Mandy, hey, I, I, you know, it's been great, but we don't have a business anymore. But so people are no longer meeting. There's no transfer of data happening, you know. Uh, you have your computer, office computer, no one's even there to pick it up. It's just lying there. They're disconnecting mm-hmm. the network. The handoffs are not happening with IT, which are clean. The confidential data of the company could be potentially compromised at that time because uh, you have employees who have confidential company assets, data which which uh, is not being properly managed. Um, so I think that's 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 a big issue which we are seeing during the pandemic. And lastly, I would say is people are trying to make it easy for employees, ease of business. So they're talking about contactless sales, contactless purchases, contactless this. It's a it's a kind of cool thing to say. And obviously, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a little bit older than all of this, but what I see in contactless is everything now on cell phones, mobiles, apps. You're making it convenient, which is great. But convenience without breaks. You know, it's like getting this big luxury car without brakes and you're going to have a, a potential pitfall. 
And just some numbers, uh, Mandy, if I can just quote some numbers, and I find this quite interesting. And EY did this yeah. global information uh, security survey. You know, so we find that companies have faced more than 30,000 cyber attacks per day since May 2020. So that's huge. I mean, you know, number of attacks have significantly increased per day. Over 94% of the attacks, uh, you know, which were recorded were phishing attacks. So phishing is the largest scheme, uh, which is obviously hitting uh, people. Also, we found that organizations were not prepared. 55% of the people polled did not make protecting part of their strategy. So the proactive cyber response mm-hmm. plan was not a part of this strategy. And India, unfortunately, were ranked first globally with the highest number of detected spams. So, you know, we have the largest number of people uh, penetrating. Uh, also, if you look at it, uh, what we found is that one-fifth of the global respondents suffered a major cybersecurity breach, which is pretty high. So if 20, 25 wow. people have suffered a cybersecurity breach, uh, you have a pretty uh, serious issue. Uh, so these are just some statistics, but I thought they're interesting to show how serious the issue and incident has become. And it is better to catch the issue upfront rather than waiting for 12 to 18 months when the issue is slightly out of control, you can't manage it and it becomes a global incident. And that's from an EY survey? That's right. Okay. I'm going to get that link from you later. <laughs> All right. So just to wrap up, what do you see, what do you predict for the rest of this year and into next year? What do you, you know, what are some top risk or top actions that companies need to take to be prepared? That's a great question, Mandy. Before before I answer that about what they have to do, or maybe I can talk about, you know, we did a collation of what the different predictions on cybercrime are, and maybe I can take a minute on that. I think what we is that cybercrime damages are expected to cost the world more than $6 trillion, is one of the surveys which came out. Maybe they were a little fatalistic, but the fact is it's going to be a big number. Um, they say that businesses in 2021 will fall victim to ransomware attacks every 11 seconds. So there'll be some company in the world which will unfortunately be exposed to it. They are going to be targeted social attacks using bots. For instance, I, I recently had a friend who came and approached me and said, you know, somebody hacked his credit card and over over two minutes, he suddenly got huge. It was like artificial intelligence and robotics where he kept getting pings every second. And he had lost, I think, $20,000 in a matter of two minutes before he had a chance to even call up the bank and close it. So I think artificial intelligence and bots is something hackers are going to be good at using. And what do I recommend to companies? I think, Mandy, I would recommend companies should pause, work on the strategy, the response plan. I think they should also relook at their budgets. I know companies are struggling with budgets and it's not easy. But if you have 100 risks you're looking at, Maybe those 60 risks can be put aside and maybe some bit of that budget can be allocated towards cyber. Because cyber, I think, with the amount of technology being used, I think that is your biggest risk. And I think that prioritization needs to be done by a CEO or someone in the top management or the board. And I think once that investment is done, I think it's up to the CIO and CEO or the C-level people to come up with a robust plan, a pragmatic plan, and start mitigating their risks and start tightening their circle because, you know, it's like COVID, you know, you can say it's not hit me, but you never know when it does. So cyber uh, issues are that it's not hit you today and you can joke about it, read a newspaper, but if it hits you tomorrow, it's not going to be fun. So I think start working on the response plan, start working on their budgets, start buying stuff, 
start doing it as we talk and get the right skill sets and last i would say training of employees mandy the poorest thing i've seen is people are not training their employees you know start training people like me or you or somebody saying don't click on that email don't get tempted yeah. don't share your password with your children don't open your computer and leave it on when you're working from home because somebody is going to come and do something if you've got malware on your computer please don't go to some internet site and start down- downloading some movies which you're not allowed to because it will compromise your network don't go to some mom and pop store and buy a cheap software just because it's cheaper than an authorized software i think some basic trainings i think mandy are really required for the people when they are their incorporation and i think companies are doing more than less yeah wonderful thank you so much for joining us today oh thank you so much mandy thank you for having me this is this is great information well thank you so much for joining us and thanks for giving us a little insight into into what you're seeing um and i i hope you stay well thank you all so much for listening today to fraud talk we are excited to be keeping this podcast alive and well even during a pandemic and we will talk to you again next month